0: You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. I try to get Ryan sitting down now. It's, it's from, from now on, that's what I want to do.
1: I want to uh, say,
0: if you're watching on the wide shot, which I hope you're watching, if you listen, you can always watch. But you're sitting down. I'm and sitting I, down now. And I capture you sitting down. Because
1: it feels like an authentic behind-the-scenes look at things. It feels good. Oh, it looks like you're looking down at me now.
0: <laughs> well, get used to it. Oh, God. Can we change the, uh, I got a new chair. It's a really nice chair. I'm colorblind, but I, it's brown, correct? You could have fucked with me right now. You could have been like, no, dude, it's green. <laughs> I'm like, Whoa, I got a green chair. I went to this place. Uh, I don't need to tell you where I went, but like they had a bunch of little signs like just relax. The more I see just relax and yeah. breathe, the more I take a second to do it, like, oh, I, those little things, those little signs. If you put little reminders around the house, like when I wake up, the first thing I see is, dude, it could be worse. Mm-hmm. It's on a little chalkboard. <laughs> I'm like, hey, you're alive. Like, do something. So, just these little reminders in life that we forget. You know, I try to go to bed and, and say my gratitudes that I'm grateful for. It may sound hokey, but it works for me. So, don't judge me. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. I hope everybody had a happy freaking new year. Happy new
1: year, Ryan. Happy new year. Well, this oh has got to be better than the last.
0: Fuck, we made it. We're like a Howard jo- Jones song. Things can only get better. Yeah.
1: It's or it's like that Counting Crow song. late <laughs>
0: December. Yeah. That's a sad song. Yeah, it's real sad. Maybe I should go to the beach again. Remember? Think I should. Na 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 na. Na 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 na, na. Whatever. <laughs> uh hey, thanks for sticking with me. Um, this show means a great deal to me, as you know. And we've got great guests coming. I really worked hard to get some great guests here. I always do. And uh I am knocking on doors. I'm 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 really doing the uh, groundwork here. I'm alone on this with getting guests, as you know. So uh, if you don't know a guest and you're like, oh, I'm here for Jericho, man, and that's it. Please, please give it another shot. Even if you don't know a guest or you look through the back catalog, but uh, subscribe on the uh, YouTube. It's so easy. You just go to Inside of You on YouTube, Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum on YouTube, and you just press subscribe. You can write a little review, message me. Mm -hmm. I read them all. And then you could go on Apple Podcasts and you could leave a review. You just go to Apple Podcasts and side of you with Michael Rosenbaum and the iTunes store, mm-hmm. and then you could write a little review. And that, honestly, what it does is it bumps up those that have more reviews because they're more, uh, what's the word, prevalent?
1: Uh, yeah, it, it does something to the algorithm because it makes them seem more relevant. And yeah.
0: Yeah, it's, it has to do with uh, numbers and uh, al- algorithms. It's all al- about engagement. Engagement. It really is. So guys, if you will, if you take uh, 30 seconds and write a review saying, hey, this sucks, well, don't do that. <laughs> but you know you could be like but it helps with yeah hey, this helps I get so many e- emails guys from people I just want to say thank you to all of you I wish I could say every name but you know saying hey your podcast helped me It really you know hearing your episode with Jennifer Love Hewitt or hearing with Dax Shepard or whatever it is really helped my anxiety and it was therapy for me and I really love the podcast and that it really means a lot to me and i i read all your comments and uh you know people who support the show even more on a thing called patreon and that's uh p-a-t-r-e-o-n patreon.com slash inside of you and to support the show extra these people i I never thought people would do that but uh they become family and um they join patreon and they support the show on the side and some get merch from me every four months and uh get to ask shit-talking questions like you'll hear uh, today mm-hmm. with Chris Jericho. And those are from patrons. And uh, they get inside of me. I get to ask me questions. There's just a bunch of stuff, different tiers. Patreon.com slash Inside of You. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the handles for uh, our podcast? Uh, right?
1: At Inside of You pod on Twitter. At Inside of You podcast on Facebook and Instagram. YouTube.com slash Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum.
0: That is correct. That is
1: correct. Um, LinkedIn is there a LinkedIn too?
0: No LinkedIn. That's uh. old school, isn't it? People still do that. You know what? It's funny. Is <laughs> I swear to God, I got something years ago, and I looked at my email. I go, "What is LinkedIn?" <laughs> I didn't read it as linked. I go, well, "What's LinkedIn?" My friend goes, "You're an idiot." I go, "Yeah, but what is LinkedIn?" <laughs> he goes, "It's linked in. <laughs> Link in. Boom. Link it in. Link it in. Motherfucker. Link it in. Motherfucker. Uh, LinkedIn, motherfucker. Uh, sorry." I don't know what's happening. Uh, the band, Sunspin, uh, if you want to hear good music, go uh, our, our website will be up this week, sunspin.com. And we got all sorts of cool merch. So that's going to be coming up any day this week now. Um, and also, uh, we do stage the last Saturday of every month. And it's pretty awesome. We do two shows, 2 p.m., 6 p.m. January 30th is the next one. We'll be putting the site up to get tickets, so don't worry. We got great guests today, Chris Jericho um he talks about his wrestling career how he he really never got hurt he got hurt once he did yeah and, and just like it's like unbelievable you get thrown around like that the shit beat out of you yeah and just hurt once yeah we talk about so many different things how we got the title and he found out he was gonna get the title the day of the day of
1: it's, it's incredible how fast like they figure out how to do a match like a whole thing where they throw each other around and just like, beat the shit out of each other and people That's get perfect. pissed at him Yeah,
0: people are like you know it's it's just a really interesting dynamic and if you don't know that wrestling world he's an interesting guy we met a long time ago and i'm glad he came on the show uh pretty fascinating and uh why don't we just get inside of chris jericho it's my point of view you're listening to inside of you with michael rosenbaum Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. You know what it is, man? Right away, because you're just a stud wrestler, I feel like saying, oh, fuck yeah, just to be cooler.
2: That's what you should say. Just stud in general. And I'll say I'll, I'll, I'll uh, match that fuck yeah and raise it with, uh, seriously, my all-time favorite horror movie right behind you, right there, the thing. Just
0: check that out. Kurt Russell signed that son of a B.
2: Oh, that's great, man. Right? That's the best. That's my favorite.
0: That's one of the best. What's your favorite scene in the thing?
2: At uh, the end, let's just sit here a while, see what happens. Oh uh, yeah, that's a great. Know, l- you don't know. For, you don't know, right? Like the way the thing wanted it planned was they would just die in the snow, and then you know three months later when someone comes to rescue them, they take over the entire world. So is that what's happening there? We don't know.
0: That's true. Open ended, man. You're I right love it, the it when they're sitting there testing the blood. Yeah. And that old guy's like, now, "Would one of you kindly get me the fuck out of here?" <laughs> That's really yeah. It's best.
2: such a killer movie, man. I love it.
0: How are you? And where are you?
2: Talk you, man. I'm in uh, Tampa, Florida.
0: You know, a couple wrestlers li- live in uh, wrestlers live in Tampa, right?
2: Um, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of guys that live in Florida because there's um, I don't even really know why. I mean, i I moved here almost 20 years ago from Canada, so I don't know. Maybe tax reasons because I don't think there's state tax here or something. Or there used to be. Um, one of the like developmental centers here, but I'm not really too sure why everyone kind of migrated down to this area. A lot of Canadians, though, a lot of the Canadian guys.
0: I like the Canadians. I know you're you're not really you're you're from Winnipeg. You're born Long Island, though, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, but I grew up in Canada, so I consider myself Canadian. I lived there for like 20 years. As a matter of fact, I think the last time I saw you, we played. Um, yeah, Christopher Reeve Super Skate, right?
0: Exactly. You know, yeah. I have I have a couple Ranger jerseys up now. I have Messier and I have Ron Duguay. Up in the room, <laughs> and your dad played for the Rangers. He did. Yeah. What, what year? Are you from I was born in Long from? Island, Ocean Long Island. I was born in Nassau Community Hospital, but I grew up in a small town in Indiana. Like you moved to Canada, I lived in Indiana from uh, time I was eight on.
2: Okay, yeah. So I, I was born in Manhasset, um, also on the island. But yeah, my dad played sixty-seven to seventy-seven. Uh, so he was with the Rangers from '70 70 to '75. I think he got traded. So those kind of his glory years, those five years.
0: Do you remember going to those games? Were you uh, Were you a little boy? Like how, were you were you born? I, yeah, I, I guess you I was, born. I was,
2: I was only like, like I said, maybe not even five. So I think probably three or four. But I remember literally sitting in Madison Square Garden. And i didn't like it because it was for two reasons one it was too loud it was, it was, it was, too, it was too loud uh, i remember i had this little sweater that my grandmother had had knit for me and i was putting it over my head like this and then the other one was I, I hated the fact that whenever my dad got the puck if he was skating down the ice he wouldn't look up and wave at me so it always made me mad <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's trying to be cool. He's trying to be in the moment, in the game, yeah, zoned in. Trying
2: to score goals and stuff. He should be looking for me. Yeah. But, uh, it's funny that my, I just had my 30th year in wrestling, but my 25th anniversary to the day was actually a show in Madison Square Garden. And I did a, a, a promo after the matches talking about, like, in my mind's eye, it was like right up there. Somewhere up in there is where I used to sit when I was a little kid. So I kind of have that lineage of the garden in my DNA at this point.
0: Wow. You know, I was thinking about, like, when we grow up, you know, kids usually have, like, this idea, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a, you know, a fireman, I want to be whatever. I remember, as a kid, I didn't think anything other than, I don't think I'm going to get through eighth grade. I don't think (laughs) I'm I'm not kidding, I thought, there's no way I'm going to live through high school. I mean, I just had this, it wasn't like a death wish, or maybe it was, (laughs) it wasn't like I was a a suicidal kid, I just felt like I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to, I didn't have aspirations of really doing anything until, I guess late in high school i started to think you know uh, i don't know maybe I, I could act i don't know I, I honestly thought i was gonna pump gas or work in a grocery store right. or you know because i worked in a grocery store for three years and it just seemed like the thing to do and you know luck and all this other shit happened after and i ended up going to college but for you did you what were you thinking as a kid because at 19 you were already going to wrestling school so i assume when you were young you thought you were athletic you were in sports how did it all happen man
2: yeah, like I, I just uh, when I was a kid, I had this uh, mindset where I wanted to be, um, I wanted to be a wrestler, and I wanted to be in a rock and roll band. <laughs> I can remember, th- I remember thinking, but like literally, kind of deciding that very early on, maybe thirteen or fourteen or something like that, because it just seemed like those were because those are my two favorite things and, and hockey. But I wasn't very good at hockey, uh, and uh, I just didn't <clears throat> like the the team element of hockey. I like kind of the <laughs> personalities and, and uh, kind of the spotlight and the characters, you know, both in wrestling and, and in rock and roll as well. So those were, that's kind of like, well, those seem like two things that would be fun to do. And I, I never really understood whenever, you know, someone would ask me, especially when I you know was 16, 17 years old, telling me, you know, I'm going to go into wrestling and people would kind of laugh kind of thing. It'd be like saying you wanted to be a mime or a, Sword swallower in the circus is like what, (laughs) especially back then, like 1990, it wasn't as open as it is now, where you can go online and find out, like, oh, here's where you go to a wrestling school and here's the secrets of the trade or whatever. It's very closed society. How do you do that when you're, you know, 17, 18 years old growing up in the prairies of Canada? So, um, but but I just kind of got those those thoughts into my head, and at least it gave me a direction and a vision. Like, I have three teenage kids right now. they might kind of know what they want to do, but not really. But for me, I knew, like, this is what I'm going to do. I just have to figure out how the fuck I'm going to do it. But there's no other option. So once I kind of had that that mindset and that direction, at least it gave me something to shoot for uh, and a goal to try and
0: reach. It, it is an odd thing. I remember, look, if I was in high school and some guy goes, I'm going to be a wrestler, I'd, I think everybody I, would make fun of him. They'd laugh sure. at him. I'm going to be a big actor in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rosenbaum, you're – you know, but
2: the and and the, and the funny thing is, like you're laughing, but I mean, look, you went and did it, so you might understand. Like the, the, it was years later, but when I read uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's book, and he was talking about how when he grew up in in the little village in Graz, Austria, whatever it was, and and he was telling everybody that he was going to be the greatest bodybuilder of all time and the biggest movie star of all time, and, like what are you talking? Like a, a bodybuilder, movie star? You live in Graz, like wrestler, rock star, like you live in Winnipeg. How are you going to do that? Like, that's just stupid. So I, I always kind of got a laugh of why does everybody care so much about what I want to do? Worry about your own shit and just kind of let me do my thing. I, I got really thick skin early on because of that. So even now, here we are 30 years later. Um, when I come up with new ideas or projects or things I want to do, people don't laugh anymore because once you've done it, they're kind of like, well, geez, he's kind of dangerous now. <laughs> but in my mind, I still have to have this attitude of like this is this can happen. You just got to roll with it, stick with it, and don't give up uh, because you can do it. But it's never easy, but it's always attainable for the most part.
0: Were you always fearless, or like growing up? You know, first of all, you were probably a big kid, right? I look back and I see some old videos. Like you, you had size to you, right? Well,
2: not really though. Like for now, I do. But if you think about 1990, I'm five eleven. That was probably 190 pounds. I had a good muscle shape to me, but back in those time times, wrestling was all about Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior and, you know, those type of guys that were, you know, Andre the Giant, Big John Stud, Jake the Snake. You know, you see all these guys and they're legit 6'5", 6'6", 6'7". Like, that was just the style. And a guy like Bret Hart was considered a small guy. He was regulated to tag teams at that time. And meanwhile, he's... Six foot one, probably two thirty. So I wasn't I wasn't big for the time. I was actually very small for wrestling. Now I'm not because the business changed over the years to where smaller guys and more exciting wrestling and size doesn't matter as much now. but back then you could be the drizzling shits, but if you were six foot eight, three hundred pounds with you know jacked up, you would get a shot right. it's It's not like that anymore. so I, but that's when I realized when I first got it started, like I'll never be the biggest guy on the show. But I can work on having the biggest character, the biggest personality and the biggest charisma and kind of stick with that, which then enabled me to get a foothold. And then when I first started traveling overseas to Japan and Mexico in the early 90s, 92, 93, 94, that's the first time where I was working with other guys my size or smaller than me. And that's where size really didn't mean anything. You had to be in shape. But if you were five foot eleven or six foot five or five foot six, it didn't make a difference. So all of that kind of it was like it's kind of the journey to get to this point where you're you're learning and seeing these different styles and these different ways of doing things because you're able to do it around the world and see that wrestling's not just this wrestling is many things to many people, just like acting is or music or stand up comedy or it's all about the talent that you have not so much what your look is because you can always fit into certain areas, but do you have the talent to be able to do that? You know,
0: were you a tough kid? Were you in in like in high school? Like, could you back it up? I'm going to be a wrestler and people look at you and you're like, you say it, go ahead, say it. I think
2: think at that point for sure. But I remember like when I was in junior high school, there was, there there was a bully, like you see, not not bullied, but kind of bullied, I guess you'd say, but Chuck Fontaine was the bully. He used to sit right behind me in class and hit me in the back of the head, like donkey punch me. Every time he stabbed me with a pen, like just ah! And you never knew what to do, right? But then that's that could be one of the reasons why I did get into to, to, to lifting weights and and you know, experimenting with that. Because once you put on a little bit of muscle, you're you're not as susceptible to having guys. And that was only a very short period of time. But I remember that, that never that never leaves you. I still remember that feeling of somebody take advantage of you and just being an asshole for no reason. Like maybe that was one of the reasons why I said, well, I'm going to go lift some weights. You know, Charles Atlas at the back of the comic book where they kicked the sand in the kid's face. And then he went and worked out and beat the guy up later. But um, so, yeah, I, I guess I was a, a tougher nosed guy, but just coming from my environment, like I have a reputation in wrestling for, for never getting injured And that's the true story. Like never once, the only time I ever got injured, I broke my arm. um, You can kind of see the scar there. In 94, and I was out for seven weeks, but that's the only time I ever missed a match from an injury. In 2000... Jesus. Whatever it's been, 722 matches, whatever the fuck I've had. um, I've never got hurt. And I think a lot of that is just luck, but also natural toughness from growing up literally in the streets of Winnipeg. When I say streets, not... From being in a gang, but when you're a kid, you've got nothing to do. You want to get out of your house. So you, we used to just go walk around. Like just go walk around the streets in minus thirty weather, steal a bottle of vodka from somebody's dad's liquor cabinet, just pass it back and forth. You're not wearing, <laughs> not wearing a toot because that's not cool. You don't want to cover your hair because you've been spending time on it. <laughs> you know, and then just walking, walk to McDonald's, go inside, grab a you know a, a fucking McRib Apple turnover because that's all you can afford. <laughs> Walk home. There's a, there's a Saturday night for you, man. So maybe that had a lot to do with it. We grew up kind of, you know, durable, hardy people, maybe. I don't know. Just It, it seemed like that background definitely added to the, to the physical toughness and the mental toughness, too.
0: Did you ever uh, stand up to Chuck Fontaine? Did you ever do anything? Did you ever? I
2: never did. If I saw him now, I'd probably run screaming in the opposite direction. But, <laughs> um, I've stood up to a lot of other much crazier and bigger guys now at this point in time. Uh, but never, I don't think I. Ever did. I think I think Chuck is one of those guys who got sent away somewhere mm. very early on. He didn't make it to high school. I know that wherever, wherever he went was not our high school. He was he was the he was the the terror of junior high, uh, and then when we got to high school, he he was gone. So if it was if he was in high school, I would have given him a thing or two. I would have given him a piece of my mind, Mike. I'll tell you that right it's now. A,
0: I'll, t- <laughs> I'll tell you, it's amazing when you do. St- it's very hard. It's easier said than done to stand up to people who pick on you. And I was always yeah. a really small kid. I was the smallest kid in my high school. I remember this guy, Rich. Well, um, one time he uh, he knocked my books out of my hands. Um, right. And we're going. Into, I'm going into health education. It was called health education. You know, you learn about the penis and the yeah. Virginia and all that stuff. And then I remember. The next day he walked by, he was leaving that class and he saw me, he came over again and did it again. Right. And, I, and I remember for the next, for that weekend, I kept thinking, I ran it over in my head. What's going to happen. Here's what I'm going to do. And I know that you're not going to hit the sky. You're not going to whatever. And I said, you can't let this happen anymore. It's, it's bothering you so much. You got to do something, right? You can't report him. You can't do this. You can't be the, you can't, you just got to. So I remember he came up and he, and I held my books and he knocked them and one fell over. And I just threw my books down to the ground, this big guy. And I'm going, I don't know what happened, but I just said, Hey, motherfucker, you fucking do that again. I'm punching you in the face and you're bigger than me. You can kick my ass, but I don't care. I'm still going to hit you. Don't fucking do it again. And he didn't do it again. He just looked at, me like, fuck. He looked at me like, fuck you, whatever. He tried to play it cool, yeah. but he just left me alone. I don't know what it was. Maybe I just was like, Weird. You learn,
2: I learned that, you know, even throughout life, you know, a lot of those types of guys, they don't want to get snapped up snap, and they don't want to confront anybody. And and most of them have never really been in, in a fight. So if you do challenge them, they'd rather just go pick on some other guy that's, you know, just as small, that's not going to talk back. And that's right. always the best way to do it. I remember the one time with my high school bully, uh, Biff Tannen, I opened up the car door and I said, Hey, you get your damn hands off of her. <laughs>
0: And that one worked too. <laughs> oh yeah! Hey, Biff, get your damn. I had Crispin Glover on on the show. He was a he was a cool one. He was a, he was a weird one. Oh, Crispin, yeah. Oh yeah, he's a good man. He's I'll tell unique you, unique cat. Yeah, what a unique person. I mean, do you still have guys even to this day, uh, or during your career in a bar, they see you and they just go, "Oh, I'm going to go say something." That's Chris Jericho. I'm going to go do something.
2: Not, not anymore. I mean that 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 rarely ever happened because I'm I I don't give up that vibe at all. I'm not that guy, and and I don't ever hang out with those types of guys. And that was a very small, like I said, window of time. So um, that that's rarely happened. I mean, a couple times but rarely and then nowadays most people just come to say hi or right you know the best thing about going to the bar now is is that you never have to pay for a drink ever (laughs) you just walk in there and like drink 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 if if you choose to decide you know it's like i had a party the other day at my house i was like i better go to the grocery store and buy some vodka and it's like all everybody bought me for for present was vodka so i was like i had seven bottles of vodka like well don't have to worry about buying any vodka for a while. At least I'm easy to buy for.
0: Yeah, exactly. But that's the best thing,
2: you know. It's one of those things. Now it's it's also different too. It changes the vibe, and you probably have experiment uh, experienced this because when was Smallville popular? Two thousand two thousand
0: one to ten.
2: Great. So you understand this. You understand this as much as I do. In two thousand one, if people you know wanted to get a picture with you, they had to commit and have a camera in their pocket or whatever. As that decade progressed, now suddenly every dude's got a fucking camera, right? So if you go anywhere, hey, man, can I get a picture? Or hey, I don't don't know who you are, but my friend loves you. Can I get a picture? So anytime you, right? (laughs) That one, that one. Yeah, yeah. I love the insult wrapped in a. a I don't know you.
0: Yeah. I don't know who you are. I don't care. But my friend would like one. All right, well, yeah, so, getting... so,
2: so you're asking me to do you a favor and insulting me at the same time.
0: <laughs> I can help, that that. Takes yeah. Nice. yeah.
2: But so, so my point is if you do go out anywhere now, you got to deal with the, like this, and, and then and you just got to say, like, man, like I'm just here hanging out with my friends, and and, and you know, but you, then you come across like a dick, but it's hard because as you know, there's a snowball effect where people do come over just take pictures, and then suddenly, oh, Jericho's at the bar and it fucking shows up here, and somebody's filming it for TMZ. That's you know, I'd rather just go into like when we do shows now it's just stay in the dressing room stay on the bus stay in the hotel and that's the party area going out off site you know outside of the wire as our military brothers say I'm not as much up for that anymore because it's just more of a hassle than anything and and I don't ever want to come across as a dick but when I'm hanging out with my friends I don't want to fucking take pictures I want to listen to music have some drinks have some fun and not worry about somebody filming me which they'll do that too just like like, I can literally see you filming me.
0: Do you ever say something? Can, do you ever say, come yeah, on, man?
2: Yeah, I've done it before, too. Then that's, too, if I'm a little bit loaded, I'll just take the phone and throw it, and then you get a whole of <laughs> thing going, too. So it's better just to stay in the safe zone.
0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out. Before I started using Rocket Money, I thought I had, you know, like, oh, I have like five subscriptions. I could not believe it when they showed me I was paying for like four extra. Uh, Between, you know, streaming advices and fitness apps, delivery services, it's never ending. And thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's
1: features. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you, I don't like that.
0: Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. Now, you know, there's that, that movie, uh, Reservoir Dogs, where Tim Roth right. is the undercover cop, and he's looking in the mirror, and he's like, you're cool. You're fucking cool. He's talking to himself, talking himself into something. Now- yeah as you know actors performers whatever we look in the mirror we know here's your hair all right you're a persona you're you're someone who's like larger than life and especially during the the heyday where you're in the championships you're you're like the biggest wrestler around and do you did you did you look in the mirror and kind of like reenact what you're going to sort of like prepare what you're going to do like say i'm chris jericho and this is like some of the things you're almost like like writing lines of what you're going to say when the microphone's put in your face are you like preparing for that or are you well, the, impromptu or so a combination
2: he, here's the arc for that and that's actually a great question because so when I started in WWE um the, the first couple probably the first six months or so I wrote all my own stuff because that's just how it was there's a famous uh, promo I did with The Rock my, it was my big debut into WWE and I did this big long I interrupted The Rock and it was a big thing in 1999 because he was super hot then too and there was no rehearsal, there was no lines, there was no script, nothing. So then as the WWE progressed, they started getting into, they got they got a show on whatever the network was, Fox, whatever show, uh, whatever network Friends was on. So when they got their their major network show, SmackDown, we're going to go head-to-head with Friends. We're going to beat Friends. That's Vince's attitude, right? So to do that, we need writers like they have on Friends. Well, it doesn't work that way in wrestling because Friends, – if I'm you know, a David Schwimmer playing Ross, I'm not David Schwimmer, I'm Ross. In wrestling, it's almost like Seinfeld. It's Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> playing a version of Jerry Seinfeld on the show Seinfeld, but it's not really him. But it is kind of him. It's the same with wrestling. Right. Chris Jericho is, is a character, but it's also mostly me turned up to the 10th degree. So I can't have somebody write something and go, here's what you're going to say, Chris. That'd be like somebody writing my answers for you. Uh, as we're doing this podcast. Like right. You have to have a mind of your own. And and so it, it it became a real sterile kind of like, here's your script and everyone would be standing there with their scripts like a table read, except for we don't have six days of, of shooting for this. We've got, you know, we're on in 60 minutes and it's a live thing. And there's, you know, here's my line, here's your line. We're, you know, some of us are not actors. I am, but some are. And so it just turns into something completely unorganic. When I left WWE came to AEW a couple of years ago, which is our show now that we do every week on the TNT network owned by the family that owns the Jacksonville Jaguars. We're doing great ratings. We just resigned with TNT for 10 gazillion, squillion dollars, whatever. But one of the reasons why it works is because it was the first time in 18 years that when I had a promo, there was no script. It was just me. Like what do you want me to say? Like whatever you want to say. And it's like, okay, well now you have to go back to what it used to be. And th- okay. Are you- okay. Jericho, everyone says you're good on the mic. Are you as good as you think you are? Are you as good as everybody else thinks you are? Cause now you got to get out there and just say it off the top of your head. And boom, it was so easy. So our promos now are just off the top of our head going through what we want to say. Yes, we have bullet points, but a lot of it happens on the fly. It's very similar to, you know, improv, being an improv performer. You know, if, if, if you've worked with the Groundlings or something, yeah. like when I worked at the Groundlings, you follow each other's lead. You listen to what the crowd is doing. You go here. You know what the point that you're trying to make is, but it's never as regimented as saying, you say this, I say this, learn your lines. And it makes it so much more organic, so much more fun, and everybody gets a chance to really show their characters, which makes everybody more popular.
0: Is there, is there something that you remember, one of your favorite things where it was impromptu where you said it and you walked off going, that was genius. I was awesome. Like, I really had it. I said, you know, you just felt like, I mean, there's some nights where you're like, ah, oh, I, I, you know, I just, I, I wasn't into it, or you just, you kind of just let go.
2: Honestly, that happens like every night. Like, if it, it's when you get to not being a, a, a jerk, but when you get to my level of experience, like you just go with the flow. I'm very good at being quick. And whether, I mean, I remember we were in London one time and they had these stupid glow sticks they're selling as merchandise for for DX, they were green. They were green glow sticks that you at a rave, you know, you buy them. And they were, I think they were 10 pounds for a pair or something like that. And I was in the ring and um, somehow, I don't know, I was talking and I was cutting. I was a bad guy. So, you typical promo, English people have bad teeth or whatever the hell is saying. It was, just, it was a non televised show. And as I was in there talking, this thing comes by and it's a glow stick and it hit me right in the eye. And I was like, motherfucker. And then I was like, okay. You want to throw a glow stick? Come on. Who's going to hit me? Throw a glow stick. I dare you. Throw a glow stick. Throw a glow stick. Dude, there you can see on YouTube, there was like a blizzard of glow sticks, like a hundred glow sticks coming down. And I felt like, like a, like a, like a Jedi, like I can, I was like, I can close my eyes and hit, but it was just this night of, of, of this rain down of glow sticks because of what happened on the fly. But I'm thinking afterwards and I got in trouble, whatever, but I was laughing. Like these people just paid 10 bucks a stick. And there's like 150. That's they just they're literally taking their 10 bucks and they're so mad that they're throwing glow sticks at me. And I was just like, that's the true embracing of the moment. We did not plan to have a glow stick riot. I didn't even know there was glow sticks there until I got hit in the face with one. So you could just ignore it or take advantage of it. Now I've got even more people booing and yelling because not only throwing objects at me, but then they realize. We just fucking wasted 10 bucks, 10, 10 pounds of stick. <laughs> so they got even more angry. So just little things like that where you take advantage of, of the exact is living in the moment. And that's another problem, Mike. If you have a script and something happens like that, if it's pounded in your head to never deviate from this script, you lose all those little moments that make things real. Yeah. If you don't really have a script, you can go with the flow. If somebody says A you can say B if someone says, you know, you can go with whichever yeah. way you want to go. And you like that. And That's the yeah, way you I like to work. I love it. I thrive off it.
0: I mean, you know, you, you say you never got hurt except for you broke your arm one time. Yes. It's baffling because, you know, now we know in the 80s, you know, you, I never thought things were kind of planned out and this and that. And even when they're planned out, you're dealing with huge wrestlers and strength and, and slant. Anybody who doesn't think wrestlers get hurt, like, feel pain getting slammed and flips your bodies, take a beating. I mean, anybody's seen the movie The Wrestler. By the way, was that uh, pretty accurate in a lot of ways?
2: I I know a lot of guys like that, yeah. um, You know, the guys that kind of worked their way up and then worked their way down. And and so, yeah, that was a very, if if anybody's watching this has seen The Wrestler, it's very true to form. And there's guys out there like that, that did headline Madison Skorgar and that now have to go to the, you know, shitty little signings. You know the guy with the colostomy bag, or whatever it was. Like, I I, there was a time when I was at those signings, and then you're like, "Holy smokes!" Like, I don't ever want to do this. And nothing gets the guys that do that, but you do see that. You see it in everything. You see it in acting too, man. Oh yeah. You know, there's always guys like he was the big star of the biggest TV show in the world, and now he's working at Starbucks or whatever. I mean, it it happens. It happens. Life.
0: But I just
2: wanted to make sure it never happened to me. You know.
0: Yeah. You know when when you but when you're, for instance, when you beat. Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock, right, on the same night? Yes. How long do you guys have pr- to prepare these matches of what you're going to do to each other? How long do you have? I mean, I know that a lot of times when it's a ma- match, th- it's the night of, I'm going to do this to you, then you're going to do this, then I'm going to do this. I mean, how does how did that happen? And did, Was there more preparation that you have to build up for that?
2: Oh, you'll love this one. So uh, th- I found out that I was going to become the Undisputed Champion. Um by beating The Rock and Steve Austin. It was The Rock first, Steve Austin second, in the same night, which first time ever, Undisputed Champion is a big thing. You would think, okay, you probably knew about this months ahead. You're planning for it. The shows are written and scripted to to, to build to that point. Uh, No, not true. I found out out about it that afternoon. We were in San Diego and I was at Catering and Vince McMahon was there uh, with The Undertaker and they were talking where Vince knew I could hear him, but they weren't talking to me. And he said, Hey, Taker. You know how you know the business is going down the toilet? How Vince, we're putting the title on Jericho, blah, and that's how I found out I was becoming the Disputed champion.
0: <laughs> Hang on a second. Hang on. He knew you were listening. Yes, he did it on purpose. He was joking yes. with you because that, yeah. So, and and what did you? What was your reaction if you could remember the the feeling you had? Well, I
2: mean, when at that point I'd been in the business for over ten years, so you know how this business works. Like nothing is ever set in stone until you know, it's like being in a movie. If you have a great scene in the movie, I don't know what's like for you or, you know, even TV, whatever. I'm always really nervous when I watch back the scene. I just did the last Kevin Smith movie, Jay and Silent Bob reboot. And we had this wicked scene, but you never know what's he going to use. And I know he likes to film more than, than necessary, just in case. And I'm watching and the scene is great. But when I first saw it, I was so disappointed because a bunch of the cool stuff got edited out. Like, I'm always so nervous, like, oh, no, they edited don't know. Right. So it's kind of the same in wrestling. You never know what's going to happen until it happens. And things can change. And and so I just took it in stride. Like, my wife was like, why didn't you invite me? You should have told me. Like, I didn't know. I didn't know until, like, two hours before the show. How did you not know? Because that's just how the business is.
0: Well, well how um, long do you talk to the – you have to go to The Rock and talk to him. All right, this is what we're going to do. Yeah,
2: we could put it together. We had great chemistry, so we could put together a match – half an hour wouldn't take long. And maybe not even that long. Like there was just, just, some guys are very, like now in wrestling, I have another reputation of like, if you have a match with Jericho, it's really easy to put together. Some guys will sit there for six hours and put shit together. Not me, dude, 20 minutes. We got it. We're done. And then we think about it for a bit come back and maybe put some other stuff and change a few things. But there's no reason to be there for six hours. There's nothing you can think of in six hours that you can't think of in 20 minutes, if you have a little bit of preparation in your head about, okay, maybe this would work, maybe that would work. Let's try this. Let's try that. Boom, 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 boom. Okay, let's take an hour. Come back. Let's change this. Let's add this. Let's change that. And maybe if we change something in the ring during the match, that's fine too. But it should never take hours and hours and hours to put something together.
0: How do you do that? Because I never see people like talking to each other. You whispering, like, oh, I want to do this right now. Do you whisper to them?
2: Yeah, magic. I, I, magic well, magic tricks like what do you do yeah. like
0: when he's got you in the headlock going all right you're gonna throw me upside down now
2: yeah, there's that you communicate too and a lot of times you know at this level all of us are pros and, and have the experience to do things and sometimes it's just one word a high spot or whatever if you high spot is a combination of moves that you might have or whatever um so yeah so i mean it's it's, it's like being a, a high level jazz musician when you see those guys get together, they're just jamming, they're following the changes and watching each other. And they go off right. from this space to that space. They're like, you know, watching The Grateful Dead or Fish or any great I was just jam say band. that. Yeah, yeah. You just watch them, they know where to go. They're like, okay, we're going to do this. We we have an idea because we're all pros. And then when they're ready to go to the next <laughs> one, the, the guitar player look at the drummer and be like, and then like well, okay, let's change the next one. Yeah, so, you know, it's
0: funny, is I had this band, we're not in the band anymore, we're friends, but we had a band for a little while left on Laurel, and uh, they're like always getting really high, and we're like, Let's fucking just jam on stage for half an hour. I go, no. They're like, what do you yeah. mean? And I'm like, because when I'm playing a chord, you don't know what I'm playing. Nobody knows what the fuck I'm doing except Rob, <laughs> who's been playing his guitar his whole life. This is gonna be terrible. Unless you guys wanna play A for an hour. There's, there's guys that think they can do that.
2: You have to be pro enough to know that you gotta be pro to be able to do that. So there's nothing, like, it's, it's like I, I bring up improv comedy and there's nothing better than great improv comedy and there's nothing worse than bad improv comedy and it's the same with jamming on stage it's the same with a wrestling match like when you have guys in that are the, the best of their field it's like the greatest and these guys that don't really know what they're doing right you can see the you know the proverbial boom mics in the shot
0: But back to the uh, injury. This is where the whole point comes in. What if you're wrestling somebody and you know what you're doing, but they don't do the right thing? How how have you not gotten hurt, knock on wood, in 30 years except for a broken arm? Because look, you say high up or whatever the hell you say, and yeah. the guy gives doesn't do exactly right or doesn't hear you right or something. That's ha- that has to have happened.
2: Yeah, that, that happens sometimes. More than more than anything, it just kind of leads to an awkward moment where you kind of just bump into each other or, you know, or, you know, it's very, very rare that it ends an in injury. I mean, sometimes you can get a, a punch to the face or a kick to the head I and mean, that happens. That's just the way, that's the way it goes. I mean, but most of the time, if there's a mistake in the ring, it's just because somebody didn't quite understand or didn't hear something. And you might just kind of bump into each other or miss something or whatever it may be. It's, but you know, that's another thing too, about wrestling. Wrestling will get dragged over the coals for something like that when it happens. But I watched, you know, Tampa Bay Bucks last night against the freaking uh, uh, so Giants or whatever. Ugh. And it's like, you know, sometimes the quarterback will throw a ball and the, the guy goes this way instead of that way. And it just goes like, what the fuck happened there? Like, that was a total screw up. Right. Wrestling, when that happens, it's like, oh, it's a botch. He screwed up. In baseball is called an error. In football, it's called a bad throw. In wrestling, it's like crucifixion, you know, because wrestling is neither fish nor foul, it's not a complete sport. It's not a complete show. It's a combination of the two. So it almost gets judged by different rules because of that. So when there's a mistake in wrestling, it's much more, uh, by 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 wrestling fans, much more uh, uh, focused on than when you see a mistake in right. uh, actual sports.
0: Yeah, but so if, like, for instance, the wrestlers out there, you included, if you get smacked in the face, you're not supposed to go, motherfucker.
2: Well, yeah, of course. I mean, that happens, too. Obviously, we're all on the same page. There were there were times back in the early days where guys would want to go in there and, you know, take advantage you, especially like in, in, in other countries, if you were a foreign guy coming to work in Japan, maybe the, the Japanese guy that's there every, every week, every month is, is angry that you're there to steal his spot and might want to give you a couple of shots to the face, but you just give a few back and it goes back to the bully rule that we said, nobody wants to take a punch to the head, you know, so they'll just kind of back off. But I mean, you do, you do get errant hits it, it just happens. It's the way it is. It's, it's it's not a big deal. I mean, if it happens two or three times in a match, then you might start, you know, sending a few messages back. But right. it, it, a punch to the face or a kick to the head or, or whatever it may be, it happens. So you never and went you to can. someone's
0: room after the show and go, dude, what the fuck was that about?
2: Yeah, no, that's rare. That doesn't that's have rare. you.
0: Have you heard about that? Someone comes in the restaurant. Of- That's more like I
2: said, that's old school stuff for guys (laughs) who get in fights after. For us at this level, there's no time for that shit. We're we're working on national TV, right? you know, with a million dollar company, tens of million dollar company, whatever you might say. There's
0: no room for for that Bush League kind of stuff. So we're all pros. Were you always in high school wanting to, to play music? Were you always into music as well and thought, you know, because yeah. you are. Yeah, I
2: was, I was way more into music than I ever was in wrestling as far as knowing, like, the, the history and the trivia and all that sort of stuff. Like, I, I, I can talk music to the cows come home. Uh, wrestling trivia is a little bit different because I'm not quite as, like, I don't remember A and B, but I'll tell you, you know, who the second guitar player was on the first Iron Maiden record and, you know, how many songs he wrote on that. Who was the, the album, bass
0: player for Quiet Riot?
2: Uh, Rudy Sars. My boy, yeah. my buddy. Yeah. Nice, I love Rudy. Nicely.
0: he's but the nicest guy. guy in the world. He would tell stories how he never really drank, and you know he'd be around all the big guys, and the, you know they'd feel uncomfortable. With so he he'd have a drink, but he'd just sit yeah. there and sip it, or you know. That was an old
2: school wrestling thing too. Even if he didn't drink, always have always have one in your hand. That way, everyone trusts you. You can't hang out with the boys and not have a drink because they think they're some kind of a spy or something. You know. But, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I was always super into music, man. I still am to this day, and that's what like with Talk Is Jericho with my podcast when it was first kind of pitched to me I'm like it's great but I'm not doing a wrestling show. Well so well you got to do I'm like I'll do some wrestling but that would drive me crazy it has to be a combination of all the things that I'm into which is
0: acting, very music, everything.
2: Yeah, everything. You know, we do paranormal and, and all that sort of stuff. Ooh, dude, so, we,
0: I like all this shit. Paranormal? Come on. I yeah. I just was watching The Amityville Horror and trying to tell my friends I did this movie with Wes Craven. And he was like, "You know it's all bullshit, The Amityville Horror." I go. No, no, no. The guy killed his family, and then the Lutz family moves in, and then within a month, they have to get the hell out. They left everything in the house. They had no money, and they went to the other side of the country. You're telling me that something didn't happen in the house? And then and I just – these conversations go on. Oh, yeah. On. So, oh, yeah.
2: Dude, I, I actually – we did a signing in Vegas with, with, with my band Fozzie, and I might be getting the kid's name wrong, but I think it's Ronald. Ronald Lutz. Ronald DeFeo. Defeo, DeFeo was the yeah. one who
0: killed his family in the original house. And then the family that moved in were the Lutzes, George Lutz.
2: Yeah. So one of the Lutz kids, I can't remember what his name was. Oh yeah. Extra. Michael?
0: No, Michael no. Michael Lutz. He- maybe, maybe. I don't remember you.
2: Grew up in the house and showed up at the size of, like, Hey man, my name's Michael Lutz. And I, my family's the Amityville whore. I was like, what? Like tell me some stories, man. You know, I had also uh, Andrea Perron whose family was the family in the conjuring. I went to her house in Winter Haven, Florida to do a podcast. And she's like, oh yeah, this house is haunted too. It's, it's not the house, it's me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm just going to sit over here. I don't, <laughs> I don't want any of that shit rubbing off of me. And her weird dad, the guy that's in the movie played by uh, Patrick Wilson, I think his name, right?
0: Patrick Wilson, yep.
2: So now he's older, obviously, because Andrea's probably 50 or 60. So her dad's, you know, 70, 80. And when she started talking, he was sitting in the kitchen. We were kind of in the living room. He was just sitting the whole time kind of staring. And when she started talking about stuff that he didn't like, he'd start banging pots and pans together and, like, <laughs> opening <laughs> the fridge and, like, causing all these noises. And, and I was like, like, he's obviously not happy. So he's showing his displeasure by making kitchen noises. <laughs> it was just creepy. Like, so oh. I like I like that shit. And people appreciate that about me as well so it's fun to kind of have all these different uh, interests and ideas and things that you want to talk about
0: dude have me on your show on jericho i would love to talk just i'd love about to all- that's
2: one of the reasons why we're doing this is to do the the repro- the uh recipro- dude, I, reciprocation
0: look, i mean i'd love i'd talk to you about you know uh my guest uh, recently was uh bruce campbell he's come on the show a couple times and that's you know, I'm great. just a big Fright Night fan and th- I just love horror. So yeah, I could talk about horror but all dude, day. it's
2: funny. I just did a, um, two things I just had for Halloween, the top 10 horror movies of all time, which I debated with a bunch of different people, um, which was great. And then I also just did the documentary In Search of Darkness 2, which is completely based on what your hat says. I love 80s horror. So that was killer as well to kind of host that and kind of. All of the cellar dwellers and you know nine seven three evil and Amityville Horror two and like you name it we have it on there it's, it's actually pretty cool.
0: What's your favorite horror movie of all time? On don't say it yet.
2: Well, like I said, the thing, the, the number thing, the thing is number me. one. Yeah.
0: What's number two? Probably Halloween, the John Carpenter one two punch. Really, you wouldn't put The Shining or Alien or or The Exorcist or The Omen before that. Um,
2: I love The Omen and I love Omen two. Those are both of my top ten. Damian. Um, I actually did a watch along with Kevin Smith of the Omen too. Cause we're both obsessed with that movie. Cause when we first saw it, we were the same age as well. You two, you're the same age as, as, as I am almost Yep. like Damien was 12. And like, I was like, I'm 12. Like, this is crazy. Like, what if I knew this guy? And like, would I want to be friends with him or not? Cause he goes to the prom and all the chicks are hanging out with him, and he beats up the high school bully. And like, I might want to hang out with the Antichrist if I knew him. He feels like he knows <laughs> how to party.
0: I don't know what it is about horror. I think because my mother at eight years old um, would say, "Would well, you watch these movies with me because my my dad wouldn't. So we'd watch Motel Hell and all these things. And so I'm always like, I got a security system. I got dogs. I got a, a bat next to my bed. I got every, you know, I look under my bed. It's it's my mom's fault. Were you always in the horror? I, how did you get into that? What, what, what was it?
2: Well, I remember when uh, when I, I uh, woke up when my parents went to the movies they and they went and saw the omens, this is probably like 1976. So I was five and my mom was looking through my hair. To <laughs> see if the she sixes? Could find, yeah. She didn't, <laughs> she found a couple fives, but there's no six. But, um, so that might've, but I remember like, like I was always kind of really obsessed. I would go to the library at my school and take out any book about horror movies, uh, about uh, Greek mythology, um, hammer films, whatever they had in there in the horror section, and so there was no. This is pre VCR. So there, every Saturday night there'd be some horror movies on at late night. It just kind of was um, what they would have in Winnipeg. So my mom would let me watch it, but I would have to go to bed at ten thirty uh, at night, and then wake up at at midnight, an hour and a half later. She wouldn't let me stay up the whole way through. But uh, if I could, if I could get up at midnight, I was allowed to go downstairs and watch horror movies. So that's kind of how i got into it you see all those old school like i said hammer films and the universal films and, and and all that sort of stuff and then just kind of went from there i just was always attracted to it and watched you know the 80s was kind of the advent of of movie stores and movie rental stores so you could go to the horror section and just choose whatever you wanted and we watched them all like fucking all of them man. you know what i'm that's kind of what I started.
0: my buddies we all have a zoom night horror night every week so we, we you know with the thing so we were all you know usually they come over but now obviously you know people are spread out and everything so we, we zoom it and we said you know let's watch the whole friday the 13th all all 10 and i was like wow. fuck i i, I don't want to do that they're yeah. just terrible probably i don't even remember i mean, remember so we started watching they were kind of fun in the beginning and then i remember why they started getting bad a yeah. they never showed the kills as much you'd be you you right. see somebody's head turn but In the beginning you saw like oh wow the axe or the you had tom savini doing the makeup and it was just so cool and they spent so much time on it and maybe they cut a lot of shit uh in the later ones and then also and it may sound chauvinistic but like i miss seeing boobies
2: yeah oh yeah and like even even
0: even there was a dong in there for anyone's taste but like a dong some boobs some (laughs) some gross stuff it's just like come on let's have fun and now it's like oh my god i barely saw a boob
2: yeah. they started. They started losing it at six. Like four and five are actually really good because I just did the same thing. I watched this documentary called Return to Crystal Lake.
0: Yeah, I'm watching it now. I'm only on episode five or in the the fifth. But yeah, because
2: dude, it's like it's like five six hours, hours long. Yeah, I'm so, watching it, dude. Yeah, so I would watch half an hour a day, and you start hearing why like they started cutting down, uh, the cracking down on them for the for the violence and all that sort yeah. of stuff, and cracking down on them for the sex. But and then it just started getting more and more ridiculous with you know, Jason goes to space and all this, stuff, but they have to do Friday the 13th part 13. They have to, like, they have to do it. And then it, just do that one and maybe do like what they did with Halloween where, where, you know, three through 11 didn't happen. And this takes place right after two or something along those lines. But um, I, th- I would really like to see one more done really well like like they've done with the halloween movies
0: yeah i would like to say i mean you got to do if it's called friday the 13th you got to have the 13th installment yeah. i think they went yeah. through a lawsuit and there's a whole bunch of shit going on they so that yeah did. that exactly so that's what's yeah, going you'll, on
2: you'll hear all about that the documentary with sean cunningham and there's another producer involved and it just kind of gets steve minor probably yeah exactly yeah, he
0: directed then, uh some small smallville episodes he was a really nice guy but you don't see him in the documentary I wonder why yeah, yeah
2: yeah exactly exactly
0: all right here we go shit talking with rosenbaum or uh, shit talking with Chris Jericho uh this is fast so throw him away what's Elisa H what's your favorite wrestling move whether one of yours or someone else's
2: uh I love the Judas effect which is mine and I always loved uh the rock bottom
0: Lucas M as a lifelong horror fan I saw that you got to work on in search of darkness part two as you talked about how did you get involved with the project
2: uh they asked me because they know I'm a really big horror movie fan and uh they were looking for somebody to kind of be the figurehead of it and that was me
0: Lee P, you, you kind of answered this, but you, you've been a wrestler, had a band, different television shows, acted, all this stuff, producer. Which one do you enjoy the very most?
2: I like when people ask me that because they say, well, if you only had to choose one. The thing is, I don't have to choose one because I do them both, and they're both amazing in different ways. Um, wrestlings I've done it longer. I've been to, the, to high, the highest of heights, but my band also has five top 30 singles now. So we're doing pretty good in that aspect as well. So they're both just a blast to be involved with.
0: Fozzie. Check them out. Mark A. Jericho, you made a career as an entertainment wrestler, actor, musician, dancer, game host. Is there any avenue left you haven't explored that you'd love to try?
2: Um, I'm sure something will come up. I'd like to do more acting. That's always fun for me. Um, acting outside of the acting that I do in, on, on AEW every week. So um, hopefully, maybe some more of that, probably.
0: Dana asks, how do you feel about the older wrestlers that had so much success early on in the careers, which we talked about a little bit and now have nothing but medical problems and no help from the companies that made them money?
2: Yeah, that's that's a drag. That bothers me when guys, you know, can't even afford, uh, you know, to to go get a checkup or whatever it may be. There's, I think there's, there should be some kind of more of a pension type thing. But wrestling's never been that way. There's no union either, which is very strange. But it's just the way it is.
0: Is there a link or something somebody can go to or something that helps wrestlers who are retired or athletes? M-
2: most times they'll put up GoFundMe pages. Right. So if you guys are wrestling fans, always keep an eye on social media, and you'll see. Somebody needs, you know, some kind of a medical uh, uh, issue needs to be fixed or something simple like the guy needs a a, a new motor for his car or whatever. Just a lot of stuff like that. That Those guys, like you mentioned, that were at the highest of heights. And then when it was over, they had nothing left. So um, I always try and keep an eye and try and help out when I can.
0: Last question, Razi. name something in your life that you have done that makes you proud.
2: I think just the biggest thing for me is the fact that I was able to travel the world doing what I always wanted to do. You know, it's the old, the old saying, if, if, if you do something that you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And obviously it's a lot of work and it's a lot of sacrifice and a lot of, you know, blood, sweat and and tears and beers, but, um, I wouldn't want to do anything else. And, I'll be seventy-five years old, sitting in the back of a Starbucks, busking if I have to, because I'm an entertainer. I gotta be in showbiz, <laughs> baby.
0: Well, listen, man, I can't wait to maybe get on the ice with you someday again. I can't wait yeah. to come on on your podcast. And yes, uh, sir. And, and where can they find the podcast?
2: Uh, just everywhere, man. It's called Talk Is Jericho, and it's it's uh, pretty pretty popular. So it's you know iTunes, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that sort of stuff. So we always have a good time with it. It's fun.
0: Any uh, movies or anything else coming out?
2: I just did Terrifier Two, which if you're a horror movie fan, Terrifier, Yeah, there you go. Art the Clown, crazy. Oh, so yeah. did that and I did another with Kevin Smith called Kilroy was here, which is a horror anthology that I think he's still looking for a place to get the distribution, which I'm sure will be soon. During a pandemic, a finished, done Kevin Smith movie should be a, a no-brainer. So inspired, on by, inspired by
0: inspired by sticks, Kilroy. Yeah, Kill exactly. Uh,
2: my Kill my Roy. scene was called uh, Domo Arigato, Mister Roboto. Maybe you've
0: heard of it. <laughs> yeah, maybe you've heard. Dude, this has been a real pleasure, man. I love talking to you. Yeah, and
2: thanks I, for reaching out, and we'll do something on my show next. We'll find a topic and delve into
0: it. I can't wait, man. Thanks for allowing me to be inside of you, young man.
2: Thank you, brother. Appreciate
0: <laughs> it. All right, see you, bud. <laughs> Take care. You too he's these wrestlers are the kind of guys ryan that i just you know i don't want to be in underwear with them <laughs> because you know i their their bodies are a lot better than mine i would look like string beans oh yeah string bean salad <laughs> uh i would get destroyed and uh it scares me it's like wow these guys i mean they've been doing it their whole lives i've interviewed dave bautista and, mm-hmm. um you know and now jericho and uh it's pretty fascinating um Bautista's trying to get Paige on the podcast for me. Oh, that'd be cool. And uh, somebody else as well. So I'm going to have to hammer him on that. But thanks, Chris Jericho. It was really enlightening and fun. And guys, if you if you came here for Chris Jericho and you're still somehow listening, you know, like I said, subscribe, listen to the podcast, support it, write in hello at Inside of You Podcast. No. Mm-hmm. Hello at InsideofYouPodcast.com. I do read the messages. I don't always send messages back because I wouldn't leave the house and I'd be online all day and that would be really sad. But I do read your messages and I thank you. Um, Again, the handles, Ryan, for uh, the podcast. Uh,
1: They are at Inside of You Pod on Twitter, at Inside of You Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, youtube.com slash Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum.
0: That's right. And if you want any cool merch, go to the Inside of You online store. Tons of great stuff. Tumblers and autographs and old Lex Luthor pictures (laughs) and sorority boys. I figured, you know, if people are selling my shit online and making money, why shouldn't I at least sell them so they know they're coming from me? and sell them cheaper than what these assholes are selling. By the way, you're not assholes. I, I don't get <laughs> mad at that. I'm like, do what you want. If you want me to sign an autograph and you want to go ahead and sell it for 300, what, uh, $0.03, cents, you go do that. Because, <laughs> hey, everybody has to make a living. But I figure, you know, at least you know it's coming from me. It's not, as ex- it's not expensive. It's not like these other guys. So that's why I do it. There'll be some really cool extra merch coming out too. Thanks, Chris Jericho uh ryan we had for Mm. new year's eve what did we do tell everybody
1: oh we did bingo over zoom Mm. little bingo i won uh 20 bucks and you won twice which i think is some bullshit
0: well ryan i knew you'd bring that up and um i specifically said in the beginning i am not doing my cards joe who is virtually out there joe who's you know joe doesn't cheat Mm. old spina he doesn't cheat he does not he takes very seriously and i said i don't even know my card is i don't know allison sent the cards out and everyone's like, Joe, how am I doing? You're like, oh, you're four away. And then bingo. I'm like, Rosenbaum, you got a bingo. I'm like,
1: what? Jesus. I want 150 bucks. Did you Did at you least kick Joe some some of that 150 bucks cash? I take care of Joe.
0: All right. You know, it's it's not the way you want to go out on a, but no. it, it's it's fitting. And um, we were together virtually. And next year, we're going to make up for lost time. In fact, I'm going to throw, besides hope, hopefully throwing my summer camp next year, I am going to uh, Camp Rosie, which I know you'll attend. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, my patrons will get first dibs on tickets. I think it'll probably sell out, but who knows? Sweet. It's going to be like a real camp for two days. Besides the camp, I want to do um, a party that my friend Lally came up with. He's called, it's called the holidays party. <laughs> All the holidays you miss from 2020 with your friends, you have one big blowout. And that's what I'm going to do. All the days. Rosenbaum's holidays party that will be fun. And I can't wait to have a patron party because I told them one day mm-hmm. when the world's better, we'll figure out a way to get everybody like, you know, I'll rent out a place in LA or we'll go to a park and we'll karaoke or some shit and get some brews. Uh, here's the patrons who make this show very possible along with you listening and uh, subscribing and all that jazz. And um, thank you for everybody, uh, everybody for listening uh, again, Chris Jericho, Ryan, my engineer editor and Bryce, my producer. Here we go. Nancy D, Leah S, Trisha F, Sarah V, Little Lisa, Yukiko, Jill E, Brian H, Lauren G, Nico, Robin S, Jerry W, Emily, Robert I. I'm going to hammer you, Ryan. Get mm, ready. Okay. Uh, Jason W, Stephen J, Kristen. K, Amelia O, Allison L, Jess J, Lucas M, Raj. C. Joshua. D. Emily. F. S. S. Shit. I think there might be an Emily F too, but wow, dude. That was incredible, incredible. CJP, Samantha, M Jennifer P. No, and, and N- Jennifer Navarro, Jackie P, Stacy L, Carly H, Jennifer S, Janelle B, Carrie B, Tabitha two seventy two, not to be confused Tabitha 273. with two seventy three. Ashley Ryan, Kimberly E, Crystal H, Mike E, Marissa N, Jack Slater, Ramirez, Beth B, Santiago M, Sarah F, Chad W, Leanne P, Roshan. Ray A, Maya P, Maddie S, Tiffany I, Kendrick F. We're almost done. Hmm. Ashley E. Margie M, Hi Marge, Shannon D, Matt W, Belinda N, Kevin V, James R, Chris H, Anusha W, Osbjorn. Osbjorn. H, yes, Gabby M, Amy C, Dave H, Samantha S, Spider-Man, Chase, Sheila G, Ray H, Alyssa C, Jacob H, Tab of the T, Misha H, Deb A, Tom and Natalie 622, not to be confused with. Natalie 623. Allie B, Suzanne B, Henry S, Katie F, Daniela V, Liliana A, Joseph C, Michelle K, Maddie Wags, Marcus W, Hannah B, Michael S, Last Five, Luke H, John S, Rob D, Andrew T, Christy S. Thanks to all the new patrons. I messaged all of you after you joined patreon.com slash inside of you. Uh, this has been a great episode. I look forward to the next one. It's going to be even better. Next week, you do not want to miss tom welling my cohort my partner in crime is back clark ken from smallville uh you've seen him in lucifer if you've made it this far in the episode uh you better come next week because it's going to get pretty noisy um thank you for allowing me to be inside of you all of you ryan want to yeah. wave bye bye see you guys thanks love you